Hello everyone and welcome back to the next episode of the Manic Manor podcast. I really hope everyone's doing well, especially in these hard and trying times. Um, I hope everybody is taking the opportunities that they can to check in not only on their physical health, but their mental health as well. It's very important that you stay in tune with your intuition and with your body to make sure that you're getting the rest that you need because burnout is definitely a real thing and you definitely need to take care of yourself because if you don't, it takes such a long time to pick yourself back up and it can be very difficult. So I hope everybody is taking care of themselves and they're staying healthy and they're staying happy and finding ways to just bring comfort to themselves in these trying times. So, with further, without further ado, we're going to get into um, today's episode. This one I studied on for a couple of weeks, actually. Um, this is one that's intrigued me for quite a while. It's the uh, kidnapping case of J.C. Dugard. And everyone is probably familiar with this case because she is definitely a true beacon for I don't even know how to describe it honestly all I can say is that she is a true hero she is a role model she is the definition of strength and perseverance despite having the worst of the worst thrown at her so we'll get started from the beginning of the research I did and if there is anything that I get wrong here or anything that anyone feels like they need to interject into the story absolutely feel free to come and correct me Um, so here we go Uh, JC Dugard she was born May 3rd 1980 in Anaheim California Uh, her parents were Terry Probin and Ken Slayton now JC's biological father, he wasn't very involved in her life. Um, Her mother, Terry, she did marry when um, JC was pretty young to a man, and his name was Carl Probin. And from that marriage, JC had a half-sister who she was very close with, and it said that she was close with her mother and her half-sister, but she wasn't really all of that close with her stepfather, Carl. And JC was known to be a pretty shy girl. She was um, into, like, the color pink. She was very endeared with her little sister. Just, you know, your typical child. And overall, she was living a really good life, but that all changed. On the morning of June 10th, 1991, um, JC's mother, in an interview, was spoken as saying that she was trying to get to work early that day. She didn't stop in to give her daughter like, a kiss goodbye, tell her to have a good day like she would normally do. And as, of course, knowing now what had happened, she kicks herself every day for it. But, of course, she left work early, left for work early, excuse me. Um, 11-year-old JC, she was getting ready to go to school, dressed out, up in her favorite all-pink outfit, little kitty cat on the front of it. Uh, She was getting ready to go to the bus stop. 
her stepfather was behind her, keeping an eye on her, watching her. And out of nowhere, as she's making her way up to the bus stop, a car pulls out in front of her. And in the blink of an eye, she's down on the ground. She's being put into the car and the car speeds off. Now, as I said, her stepfather sees all of this go down. He's hopped on his bike. He's trying to chase this car down, but unfortunately, you can only pedal so fast in a car. Definitely, it's going to go faster. So he was definitely not able to catch up to the car in time. So as a result... They put in a 911 call immediately to inform the authorities that JC has been kidnapped. And that's when a nationwide hunt goes out. The Amber Alert goes out. Uh, JC's mom is informed. She makes her way back home and they start searching for her. And the perpetrators of this are Philip Garrido and Nancy Garrido. And Philip was known to have a violent background of sexual assault. As a matter of fact, he was out on parole for a previous sexual assault case regarding a 25-year-old woman who he had been caught assaulting her from a warehouse. The police officer had shown up, saw his car had been parked outside, um, saw that the car was parked outside of this abandoned warehouse. The, the officer goes up, bangs on the warehouse door, Garrido comes out, um, then the woman comes out and is yelling and screaming and begging for help, so of course Garrido gets arrested for that. So he ends up going to jail for some time over that, and while he's in the process of being incarcerated, he's evaluated, and they look at him, and they say that he has this possible personality disorder, and he's definitely labeled as a sexual deviant, and he's supposed to be sentenced to 50 years at Leavenworth Penitentiary in Kansas, and this is around the year 1977. Um, however, we see he did not serve that full time. So, during this incarceration, he became familiar with this woman, Nancy. She had an uncle that was in the same prison, and for some reason, she became enamored with him, and he became enamored with her. And by October of 1981, they were married, and she made it her lifelong mission, mission excuse me, to release him from this prison. And for some unknown reason they saw it fit to release him on parole. And part of this parole was he was to be wearing an ankle bracelet to monitor his GPS location at all times, and he was supposed to be checking in with parole officers at any at select given times as well. Which, when we talk about what happens here, kind of makes you wonder how he got away with what he did for so long and it kind of for me makes me really question the legal system especially in the United States and the law enforcement in general 
but um, anyway, so back to the abduction. The people that had grabbed JC were Philip and Nancy Garrido, and it was said that Nancy had probably been stalking out JC for some time, keeping an eye on her as some sort of prize for Philip because she wanted to please him and make him happy, as sick and disgusting as that is. So as she has her pinned down in the car, Philip is laughing and talking about how he can't believe that they actually got away with it, and they're making this trek to their home, which is a couple of hundred miles away. It was like a three-hour drive to Antioch. So they took all the clothing off of JC. Um, they stripped everything away from her, but JC did manage to hide on, uh, hold on, and hide um, a tiny little butterfly ring. And she kept on to that butterfly ring for her entire captivity. And she mentioned that in an interview when she was um, freed and talked to Twenty Twenty about it. So, they took her to this home in Antioch, and they threw her into a back shed. She was stripped down, they took her clothes, and they burned them. And this poor girl, for the next 18 years of her life, endured something that is straight out of a nightmare. And all the meanwhile this is going on... The authorities are searching, they're looking for every possible uh, suspect, and of course when it comes to these kidnapping cases, when it comes to anything involving children, they do have to look, you know, at biological parents, they have to look at the step-parents, so they did look into the stepfather, Carl Probin, they also looked into um, Ken Slayton, but of course Ken Slayton had nothing to do with JC for pretty much all of her life, and... Proben had a solid alibi that he was trying to catch up with this vehicle to try to save his stepdaughter. And as a result of this kidnapping and JC's mother trying so hard to find her daughter, it did take a toll on the marriage between her uh, JC's mother and JC's stepfather. But her mother never gave up hope. The entire 18 years, her mother would take to the take to the internet, um, take to TV, take to anywhere she could to try to find her, because she refused to believe that she would never see her daughter again. And it's heartbreaking for me because as a mother myself, just to imagine the type of pain that she could have been feeling. And to know how scared J.C. must have been during that time. But one thing J.C. said that definitely gave her comfort is, even though Philip was doing these horrific acts and assaulting her and taking away every shred of innocence she could have had, she saw comfort in remembering her mother and... Something that definitely broke my heart was she would talk about how at night she would look out the window and see the moon, and her and her mom would talk about which version of the moon was better. 
And that was one of the many things that would get her through those nights. And another thing, while JC was in captivity, she did end up falling pregnant as a result of the assaults and rapes that Garrido did on her and ended up having to bear children and the first being at the age of 14 and then another at 17 and I cannot imagine the type of stress and how terrifying that must have been for her but to see her now to talk about what she went through and how her daughters gave her hope and it was like she was able to just turn a switch off and she was able to not feel as lonely because she had her daughters. There's just something about JC that is very special because she's a survivor in all aspects of the word and is someone that deserves so much better than what the world had given to her. And despite all those bad cards that she was dealt in the 18 years of captivity, she still managed to find even the slightest bit of sunshine, the slightest bit of hope, and make light and beauty out of it. And that is, that's just something I think is so amazing. And it's even more so frustrating when you realize that there were so many opportunities where she could have been saved, especially like initially when police failed to realize that she had been kidnapped from South Lake Tahoe, um, even less than a year after she had been kidnapped, somebody had tried to call and report that they had saw somebody matching her description, but of course these things end up falling through the cracks and then they never get followed up on. Um, and not only that, that Greedo had these parole officers that he was supposed to check into, um, either that or they would are supposed to go by his house and how they never realized that something could have been up just shows that there were so many things happening that failed this young woman when she was a little girl and she could have had her life given back to her so much sooner but she was forced to grow up at such a young age all because of the acts of two disgusting people. However, despite the horrid actions of Philip and Nancy, eventually they do fall, and when they fall, they fall hard. Um, these 18 years of captivity she was in, it was brutal, but she did the best that she could. She tried to give her daughters what education that she could. And then it all leads up to um, this day in August of 2009. Um, they go to the University of California in Berkeley. Uh, Dugard goes with um, Garrido and the two daughters. They're visiting campus, uh, the campus police, um, they're one, um, uh, looks like Garrido is wanting to hold some sort of special event as part of what he called 
calls this God's desire, whatever. And when he speaks to the person that's over it, she looks at him like he's just batshit crazy. And then she sees the girls that are with them and she's like, something is not adding up here. And boy, was she right. She asked for him to make an appointment. Of course he did. He left his name. So with that, they run a background on him and see that he's a registered sex offender. He's on parole for kidnapping and rape. Uh, Then that's when they decide that they're going to bag him. They come back the next day. They grab him. So... They were able to get Garrido on multiple parole violations, and at that point they were able to handcuff him and finally do a major search of his house. And that's when they discover this nightmarish backyard. And so when they get Garrido back and they start questioning him about the girls and everything, he just tries to blow it off as, you know, they're relatives, daughters, or something along those lines. So that's when they separate JC and the daughters from Nancy and Philip. And then that's when everything comes crumbling down for those monsters. JC is finally able to say who she really is, write her name down on a piece of paper, and admit that those girls are actually her daughters. And that she truly is J.C. Dugard, and she had been kidnapped. And of course, that took a lot of convincing because 18 years worth of captivity led to what they later described as a sort of type of Stockholm Syndrome. And it was probably due to the fact that J.C. was honestly terrified that something bad might happen. And when you look at it, she was doing what she had to do to survive, but she was safe at this point now, and with them knowing exactly who she was, they were able to get her mother on the phone and able to arrest Garrido and take him away. Now, when the legal proceedings took place, of course, Garrido and his wife tried to say that they were not guilty of false imprisonment, kidnapping, and rape, But of course, with all of the evidence surrounding them, that wasn't going to work out. Um, Philip was sentenced to 431 years of imprisonment. Nancy was sentenced to 36 years of imprisonment. And, um, however, they both were going to be eligible for parole in August of 2034. And this sentence was um, handed down June 2nd, 2011. Um, JC, she also filed a lawsuit September 22nd, 2011, stating, um, you know, that the United States failed to monitor Philip while he was a federal parolee. And personally, I believe she had every right to do that. And personally, I believe that they did fail to monitor him. However, though, on March 15th of 2016, they dismissed that case. 
and the court ruled that the government's sovereign immunity was not waived because the U.S. is only liable in the same manner and to the same extent as a private individual under like circumstances under state law. So because of that, they would not be liable because of California law, and she couldn't win. So because of certain California laws, she wasn't able to win her case. But that is the tale of J.C. Dugard and her kidnapping case. And it looks like she's out there living her best life now. Um, you can follow her on Instagram. She's got books out talking about the situation that she had been in. As I said before, she also had done some interviews, like with 2020, talking about her situation, if you want to get a better insight on what it was like for her. Um, but that is it. So, thank you guys for tuning into this episode. I really appreciate it. Um, if there's anything that I got incorrect, um, please feel free to correct me. Um, if you have any other cases that you would like me to um, go over on this podcast, feel free to contact me at manicmanorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also contact me on Facebook, Manic Manor Podcast, or you can go on Instagram, Manic Manor Podcast. Uh, we also have a Patreon set up if you want to join that and support our show. Not necessary, but if you would like to, it is greatly appreciated. So... Until the next episode, I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend, and I hope everything goes well for you guys. See you next time.